It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for making me a part of your day, making the show a part of your day. I do appreciate it. The show is made possible by patrons such as Catherine and Monica, Les, Mary, Eric, Peggy, Tavis, Kristen, Beth, and Al, and Kim. Just a mere sampling of the many, many patrons we have at the show. Uh, By the way, if you uh, do become a patron of the program, you get exclusive content, including the live streams of consciousness that we do every Thursday evening. Um, and uh, by the way, you can find a link to that at thepetecalendarshow.com or in the description of the podcast here. You should see some links down there and you just click on one of those links and boom, you're there. Uh, today on the agenda, the governor has submitted his budget proposal and its ridiculousness is only rivaled by its snowball in hell chances of adoption. Uh, we'll get to that. But first, North Carolina Congressman Dan Bishop, he'll be talking riots and rule of law and the Babylon Bee. Indeed, it's a great website. Hilarious. Now, if uh, you need help with your website, you know it's important for the business. You want it to turn up in search results. You want it to look good. You want it to look professional, user-friendly. And while you do know your business, you might not know a lot about website design and maintenance. But my friend Schaefer Smith does. Schaefer Smith Design. Great design can actually solve a lot of your website's problems. Professional services, small businesses, entrepreneurs, corporate entities, Schaefer Smith can help you with graphics, photos, build out an online store for you, search engine optimization, website maintenance and security. He even does logos. He did my logo. Go to SchaeferSmith.com and get the most out of your website. That's SchaeferSmith.com. Joining me now is the North Carolina 9th District Congressman, Dan Bishop. Welcome back to the show, Congressman. How are you doing? Thank you, Pete. I'm doing great. It's good to be with you. We're old friends, and um, it's nice to nice to have a chance to join you. So, uh, well, I appreciate you making time, as always, and uh, a couple different things going on this week. We have the Republican National Convention. We've got uh, the attempted overthrow of another city in America. Maybe I exaggerate, but not really. And not really. Uh, right, <laughs> we've got uh, the, the, uh, the president using the Postal Service to try to steal the election, at least according to the Democrats. So let me ask you about that one first. <laughs> first. Um, yeah. did, did you have any, and I've asked every congressman that I've uh, interviewed over the last week, uh, the same question here. Uh, what role do you play in the grand scheme? Are you there to like uh, uh, sabotage the mail trucks? Do you pour concrete in the mailboxes? What's your role it's in vast, the, the vast, the vast right-wing conspiracy? <laughs> and I'm sort of management. That's how that works. Out there. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, we, you know, the, um, that's the way it's, uh, it appears. We, I think there is pretty much uh, the flatbed truck. I was driving the flatbed truck, oh. picked up the, the blue mailboxes and stole them all, hid them. And I'll never tell you where I've hidden them. That's dastardly. So you did you go back for this vote? You went back to D.C. for the vote or did you do it remotely? Well, it was it was an emergency. Right. Of course, it was an emergency. And, uh, and if there was an emergency, then they needed all hands on deck. So I definitely went to Washington. And uh, 68 Democrats didn't bother to show up for the emergency. And uh, and uh, which, uh, in all seriousness, I mean, we're, we're uh, speaking flippantly and sarcastically, but it was uh, it's, it's just I mean, I, uh, it, 
I, I did a little speech on the floor and I put it out uh, on social media and it got a lot of attention because mm-hmm. I said, look, it, uh, Democrats whip up hysteria and the Republicans come to work. But we got things that need to be done there. I mean, there are differences of opinion about whether we ought to have additional relief for the smallest of businesses that don't have any working capital to get back in business as we re- recover uh, from pandemic, hopefully. And we have uh, people, individuals who may be in dire straits, and and they're whipping up hysteria about the postal post office, the postal service, and nothing's happened. <laughs> James, this, this, they're just ordinary course operations of a $71 billion enterprise. And they, they act like they're crazy. Pelosi acts like they're, they're absolutely certifiable. Well, she believes you guys are enemies of the state, right? I think that's what the quote. So she said pretty yeah. close domestic enemies. I think precisely because she was sort of stumbling along, but that seemed to be what she was reaching for. There is no rhetorical step too far for Pelosi especially Pelosi, but there's some other Democrats and some of their organs in the media that are, that are just about as bad or worse. And, uh, and yeah, that, you know, talk about divisiveness. Um, when you start talking about others, in, uh, your, your, your opposition party in those terms, when you, and of course they've been doing it on everything calls, you call it racist, bigots, Nazis, fascists, everything, every, term that would apply to someone who would be a genuine you know enemy that you would shoot at in a war and you use that that often you're asking for trouble it, it doesn't lead to a good place well i'm old enough to remember when simply putting a target on a map of a congressional district that you want to win that that inspired <laughs> mass killing i remember that uh, that uh allegation being leveled i believe that was sarah palin you're referring to that mm-hmm. uh, that caused the shooting of gabby giffords and it was what was her yeah. name gabby yeah that's it is that the right name yeah, yeah gabby giffords yeah out in arizona and then of course it turned out that the guy was just a nutball and uh he did it because he thought language was uh, the english language was being used to uh, well, no grammar was being used yeah grammar was was being used as part of a plot to control all humans um yeah, yeah. and 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 the, the the contentions always seem to be absurd. They're always uh, hypocritical and inconsistent. But they, but look, whichever side is going to do it, if you're going to speak in terms of outright enemies, uh, that's a problem, and it's going to cause. And you're going to see eventually people do. I mean, people do take inspiration when you get in those terms, and they go out and shoot a Steve Scalise. He was motivated by the incendiary rhetoric. But that doesn't mean that every time you have uh, a disagreement with somebody, a political disagreement, or call them out pretty sharply in a political uh, issue, that that's the same thing. So the media is just, they're they're lost. They are the handmaidens of one political party, and they can abide anything by their side. And they, they, you know, it's it's, it's funny, Pete, more things change, the more they stay the same the old thing about you can't see you know you can see the speck in your neighbor's eye but you can't see the the, the log in your own mm-hmm. um and uh, and i think that uh, we really we're definitely in that posture right now politically right and it's it, it if you're going to uh, engage with your adversary in these types of terms then you can't be 
surprised when they follow suit, when they meet you on that on that field at you know, of your choosing. And I think, that, yeah, I mean, that's what we're seeing in, in Wisconsin. We saw, you know, with the uh, people who went to defend the property and they ended up shooting and killing uh, some of these rioters because mm-hmm. uh, if the police aren't going to be there, then they're not, you know, people are not going to sit back and just allow you to harm them. At some point, they recognize that these are the rules. These are the standards now, and we are all going to be forced to play by them. Uh, I, I think that's inarguable. I think you're correct. I will say that one thing I feel, and, and it comes in, in very much uh, coming from the perspective that you're talking about. I, and, and you know me, Pete, uh, I've always been willing to get in the mix. And, and, to, and to that point, I mean, there, you know, there, if I've faced a criticism across my political career, people say I'm too combative or uh, contentious or and then some have said worse things, I'm sure. But, but the I I, I don't, you know, I, my my lifetime experience in the political world was the left was always aggressive and cohesive and moving, and the right was always uh, acquiescing, stepping. I mean, going back to Bob Michael and and the permanent Republican minority in the House and the. 70s and 80s oh gosh yeah that's old. And, and you're going old school <laughs> I, I am but it, that is old and it shows my age but, but you know i mean it, it, and that's what i mean it's it, it's, a, it's a long-term thing and i i have the view that um if, you, if you're gonna allow yourself to be run over you will be and that the idea of underlying the country deserves to survive is it the best formative idea for a country ever in history and i'm going to fight for it and if they want to ruin it they're going to have to come they are going to have to come over me Mm. um and so i think fighting is worthwhile but i do try to draw back from starting to give voice to it i hear people say what you're suggesting which is you're going to see armed conflict erupt if if we don't solve this within the legal sphere and restore order and I think that is a fair point. I I really hate and hesitate to give voice to it, and I never want to encourage it. Right. Um, because that is, you know, those, that's the territory where you lose a country. Right. Uh, and it and it's fundamentally altered forever. So I I, I would say that's a, that's way down the road, last resort. But I, but you can't be surprised if your local officials are going to abandon and and be derelict in the top most uh, function and purpose of government, which is to preserve order, pr- protect lives, and protect property and livelihoods, to, uh, then, and, and that is done, and that happens on a sustained basis, you're going to see a disaster develop. Well, yeah, and it's the breakdown in law, and you're, you're a lawyer, you've practiced law for decades, right? Like, that's that right. the invention of, and everybody buying into the concept of law, that's what stops us from being what we are now seeing rioting through the streets of some of these big cities, right? That's that was yeah. that that was the discovery or the invention. That's what that what elevated the society and the civilization. And without that, then yeah, we're 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 Mogadishu, right? Uh, uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm always, I'm always hesitant to talk about the topic because like you said, you give voice to it. You do not want to promote it. And I'm not, I just, and that's like, 
I've, I'm watching what's happening and now it's escalating and I'm seeing some of the fears that I've felt and they're now coming true and I can't be the only one that sees it. Um, well, I, and I, I think you're getting at something that is a very significant issue, which is uh, the, the, one of the things that is novel or new about this phenomenon is that with municipal governments across the country uniformly in the hands of a one party rule and that and we've watched it i mean we've watched it in in charlotte uh, when you were here that evolution uh, i know you spent a lot of time in asheville yeah. and uh and and what's and where you go there but but you go and those are just two examples of fairly modest or, you know moderate sized cities charlotte's pretty big but but it, it, they're still we're still not maybe in the in the territory of chicago and los angeles and new york and all in terms of but, but when they go one party rule and then that one party decides uh, they're going to allow disorder and they decide they're actually going to take on as a tenant of their political movement to dis to, to destroy or abolish the institution of police force to maintain order you really are playing with fire i mean i have a lot you know a lot of conservatives today tell talk to me about they watch tucker carlson and they say uh, you're not um you're, you're you're republicans are doing nothing there's no the republicans won't even do anything mm -hmm. um and yet uh, there's a limit to what you can do i it's frustrating for me as a member of congress i, I can't do these mayors jobs for them the only thing that could be done would be the president to start to take the step to you know, put down an insurrection mm -hmm. and you don't want to go there either it's just it isn't it's the most irresponsible approach to governance in the history of the country and they're and it's on the it's on the it's on the shoulders of uh, local officials. My guest is Congressman Dan Bishop from North Carolina's 9th District. And speaking of local, where do you go to get a mattress locally? In Western North Carolina, you should be going to Mattress Man. And actually, anywhere in America, they will ship you the mattress. Yeah, nationwide shipping. Mattressmanstores.com is their website. You can peruse all of the inventory that they have. Uh, they have five-star local delivery service, a 120-day comfort guarantee, and they have all kinds of mattresses, whether it's memory foam you're looking for or the traditional inner spring mattresses and everything in between, adjustable bases. You can get a great deal uh, with free bedding bundles. That includes the sheets, the protectors, and the pillows uh, with the select uh, with the purchase of select mattresses. You can also pick up a queen size gel memory foam mattress for just three ninety nine, and you can take advantage of their awesome deal, the zero 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 financing deal, the triple zero deal, zero down, zero interest for up to two years, and zero payments for ninety days. Mattressmanstores.com. That's the website. Mattressman has four locations in Asheville, Arden and Hendersonville. And as I mentioned, they do ship nationwide. Christy and I got our mattress from them years ago before they ever advertised with me. So uh, you know, like this is the bed that I sleep on. We have a memory foam. We love it. Mattressmanstores.com. Experience the difference at Mattressman. Buy local and sleep better. Speaking with Congressman Dan Bishop, and I asked your colleague, Dr. Greg Murphy, um, I wonder if this is the point. If the purpose is to induce the president uh, to lure him into taking some sort of action to federalizing National Guard or something, and then they get to make the argument, aha, see, Donald Trump is a tyrant. 
he's trying to take over cities. He's, uh, you know, nationalizing the uh, the guard, and he's, you know, that becomes his personal army because he caught whiffs of that uh, when you know the the, the sure. riots were going on in D.C. and they were burning the historic church and everything. Um, yeah. And so you caught whiffs of it then, and so it makes me wonder: is this the point? Is to make things so bad that? Trump then reacts, and then you can blame him for the reaction. I think so. Um, no, I think that's very much the strategy. Uh, and I also will tell you that uh, during that night uh, in Lafayette Park, when the uh, St. John's was at the fire inside was being shown on Fox News, and I was watching it, I'll tell you, I texted Mark Meadows, mm-hmm. former North Carolina congressman in your area, yeah. and uh, and now chief of staff, and I said, why are you permitting the St. John's Church to be burned across the street from the White House. And and they did, he told me they were, and they did take action to get control of that situation in the immediate environs of the White House. I actually believe, notwithstanding the hellstorm of criticism that came after, uh, I think that was the right thing for the president to do. I think the president also was right uh, and, and uh, planted an important flag by having federal marshals and other uh, law enforcement officers defend the court federal courthouse in portland but i also think he has been shrewd not to otherwise be baited into taking the step of broadly Mm -hmm. uh, sending in uh, federal power although i do think it's in his it's within his authority to do it um yeah he offers but inevitably 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 pete though it will have to be done at some point I mean, this can't go on forever. I also you can't you can't let it go on long enough that you have the other phenomenon that you made reference to. That you have yeah. some uh, manifestation of a sort of open armed conflict among citizen groups uh, because there's a vacuum of power. The president will have to do something. But but, but let's let's hope that we. I, I think a, a clear election result might settle things down. I'll guarantee you one thing. If Joe Biden is elected, we're going to see this times 10. Now, they're going to keep going. Now, I'm not sure, Congressman, because I see on social media uh, apologists for the left. They are saying that uh, if we um, if we leave Trump in, I mean, after all, this is happening uh, during his presidency. So we need to vote for Biden. So it stops, which kind of sounds yeah. to me like a little bit of extortion. Kind of sounds like. <laughs> well, I've heard that. I've, I've seen, and, and, and I, I, yeah, I, I think that message is out there. Uh, I think it's a false message. And I would, to anybody that might be inclined to think about that, go back to it's the origins. Uh, go back to Ferguson, Missouri, uh, or any, of a, any of, a, of a number of other occurrences that, that began. I mean, the, the origins of this were in the Obama administration. Hmm. Uh, and I think what we have lacked a, a clear win in an election across the board. But I, you know, ultimately this is a technique by the left. Um, and, and Biden will be a weak, uh, if he were elected would be a, a weak, uh, president in that same ilk. Uh, they will keep going. That's, uh, you know, so yeah, anybody can predict, but I think it stands more to reason that you'll see this technique on steroids uh, as they seek to continue pursuing all means of social change 
to pursue Marxism and tear down our in, our institution, the only way to get it stopped is to have a clear win for the president and Republicans. Yeah, I also am. I always you know think of the uh, the the Churchill you know quote of feeding the alligator with the hope that it eats you last, and um, I'm not so sure that. Um, that a lot of folks that are more moderate but Democrat, um, I'm not so sure that they recognize that they're feeding that alligator right now. And they think that, oh, put Biden in and it'll all be okay. And I'm not so sure because I think that actually empowers that wing of the party uh, and they will eat you because you'll actually put up less of a fight uh, and they're already in your house. Whereas on, on you know when you're going up against the Republicans, it's... You know, they have no quarter. They will give you no quarter. <laughs> so it's different uh, versus in-house with the Democrats. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think I, it's I, true. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I mean, we'll 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 see, uh, you know, based on whatever the turnout uh, is or whatever, however, it, uh, it, it, whatever outcome we see mm-hmm. uh, in the election. But I, but it, it just um, it, it is it, it is a technique. And that's the first thing to recognize. And once you get that one. Then you you see that if things that succeed you get more of yeah um, and I I'm just saying that if they if they dislodge that and they, and, and if somebody pursues an a, is inclined to pursue an appeasement type strategy and thinks that appeasing folks who are who are uh, you know terrorizing city after city that the way to make them stop doing it is to let them achieve their their objectives. Uh, and in fact, I guess people are doing it. You know, they're sort of on the extreme flank of the Democrat Party. I don't mean to make much of a of a distinction between them because the, the, all the Democrats that I encounter just about in Congress are fairly far left. They're all sympathizers to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but with with those guys, they're going to want to pursue. They're going to want to go farther, faster toward tearing down capitalism, tearing down concepts of private property, um, getting revenge against all the people and forces that they hate. And, uh, and so I wouldn't, I, I can't imagine that success in their endeavor will then cause them to pursue a different path. Yeah. There's no limiting principle to their actions mm-hmm. or philosophy. Right. My guest is ninth district Congressman Dan Bishop. Um, if you are looking to move out of the ninth district or into the ninth district and you need to sell your house in Western North Carolina, you need to call my real estate agent, Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team buying or selling. Okay. She outsells 99% of the realtors in North Carolina. She is the only agent that I would use to buy or sell a house. Uh, I've not sold a house here. In fact, Christy and I are looking to buy one and we are using Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team. She is the only official Homes for Heroes realtor in Asheville, and that is a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from realtor commissions. Um, and she's given back more than three quarters of a million dollars to local police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, and members of the military, veterans, active duty, and retired. So keep more of your own money. Call Rowena, 333-4483. That's 828-333-4483. Website is mountainhomehunt.com. That's mountainhomehunt.com. And then start packing. So let me shift gears. We mentioned the election. Um, did you watch any of the Democratic National Convention? I assume you're watching some of the RNC, um, <laughs> but you don't have to answer that. But I assume you're you're watching some of oh, it. Oh, I'm happy to answer. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I watched a little bit of both, and I watched it. I watched a little. I did not watch much of the Democrat uh, 
convention, to be honest, I saw uh, President Obama's speech. I watched it twice. Uh, I watched Biden's speech. I watched Kamala Harris. I, I didn't see all the uh, the, the uh, undercard ones along the way. <laughs> right. Um, other than the clips that might appear on uh, social media and the like. Uh, but I have watched uh, a lot of the first two nights of the Republican convention. I was down, you know, I was here in Charlotte. And despite what the what the health director said that day that came out in media, I was wearing a mask and everybody I saw in the place was wearing a mask. And uh, uh, it's almost like somebody gets a, you know, gets some sort of um, bump or something out of uh, trashing the Republicans a little bit more. But uh, but uh, it was, you know, the president, he he was there and I think generous with his time and he spent, you know, he kind of did the whole Donald Trump routine mm-hmm. to a fairly small crowd of loyal Republicans there Monday. So I was there alive for that. And, and then I've watched all this stuff and I, I saw a tweet that I thought captured it very well. It said DNC colon, uh, Donald Trump is bad. RNC colon America is great. And I do think, and I saw another thing thought on it that I thought was that also, which is that, uh, Donald Trump is showing the Democrats how to tell a story. Hmm. Now, I know that the reaction by uh, the handmaidens of the left, the Democrat media, is that, well, it's not, you know, it's, it's a different Donald Trump. It's not really the Donald Trump sure. that uh, we've seen. He's, he's reinventing somebody. But it, it, uh, they I, all do. I, that's the point, I thought, right? <laughs> Well, I think that is. I do think that's onto it. I mean, you're putting your best foot forward, but the essence of it is pretty convicting. I mean, a lot of these things that you, I mean, there's nothing really, you know, they love to fact check and say things in the guise of fact checking that are just a counter argument. But, uh, but Donald Trump, I mean, all those things, I think, you know, that he assembled. In fact, I would say this goes back for me, Pete, to the State of the Union address. I'm going to tell you, I sat there. I was in the in the in the room for the State of the Union address, mm-hmm. and my thought, in fact, what I it was almost I felt like sacrilege in doing it, but I certainly felt it at the time. I tweeted after that. I said, "Ronald Reagan, move over," because you know Reagan was the guy that uh, first started having people in the gallery to uh, to make points in a poignant way. Oh, and I did not. And, and, and and he, and and so, but that State of the Union address was a marvelous storytelling. And in the same way, this RNC is working is working that way. So he has a naturalization ceremony and a pardon that he does, and and uh, the Attorney General of Kentucky, African American man who is the perfect person to rejoin to Joe Biden's. Mm-hmm. If you if you uh, vote Trump, you ain't black. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I think the first lady at the end, you graceful, doesn't show enmity that you would, uh, that you would expect and that she should, I mean, she's entitled to. And, uh, and she had a message that was conciliatory and empathetic. And I, I just thought, I think it's gone fabulously well. I did read, I have read, and I don't know if maybe you maybe have better insight, but suggestions that the viewership is lower. I could see why people wouldn't turn on the networks to watch the Republican yeah. National Committee. I don't. Uh, I'm watching it on C-SPAN. Well, that's exactly so. I, the other people I've talked to about that said, and I saw another tweet that came out that said the C-SPAN ratings were like 10 times the mm. DNC. So all that would make some sense. 
Yeah, because there there are a lot of Republicans and conservatives that have soured a bit on Fox News as well. Um, yeah. Which you know, and, and some of that stuff, I I'm not a fan of. Like, I want there to be an ideological spectrum of disagreement in any news operation. I think that's healthy. So yeah, yeah I mean, like, I never cared that Shepard Smith was more left. I never cared if you know Chris Wallace is asking uh, tougher questions or whatever. I, I that's fine for me. Like, I don't understand people are like I'm going to turn off the whole network <laughs> because of that. Right. Um, I, I agree with that. I will say, I think it gets to be. Again, the same sort of reflexive oppositional notion that I described earlier when I was mm-hmm. saying I'm ready to fight if the other side's going to fight. Since the whole media is completely in the tank for the left, you know, I do think then then you get people saying I want that to be our station. But I uh, I agree with you. I think we're always better if you if you have mm-hmm. a little bit of openness to debate and different points of view. Well, it's and it's like if you've got you know. Station A and Station B, and A is in the tank for the left, but B tries to, you know, treat everybody the same, then what happens during a Democratic administration is that, um, right, they're both, well, you've, I'm sorry, in a Democratic administration, you've got the Station A that gives fawning coverage, right? They, they, they treat that president differently because they're of a like mind, whereas Station B may be critical. But then you put a Republican in and... Station A now is critical, but Station B is also critical. So it seems right. like you're never getting the same kind of attaboys <laughs> that uh, uh, that go the other way, and now amplify that, you know, by however many stations are are run by folks on the left, and it's it's basically all of them. I, I think it points up the defect that the the conception of the American media is not official, but that institution the idea of an independence from government was its best side right mm-hmm. and so it's just you can't you if media is in the tank for one political party and if they are effectively a one big political ad um we're missing something pretty important and you just can't make it right till you can return to the way it should it, it should have been well and that that's why uh Thank God for the Babylon Bee, right? Uh, that's the segue right there. The Babylon Bee. I, <laughs> Great segue. Right. So, that's uh, a broadcast talent right there. <laughs> so you've got this parody website, the Babylon Bee, which is basically the conservative version of The Onion. And I noticed you you seem to be a fan. I'm a fan. By the way, they they have a podcast <laughs> as well, the Babylon Bee folks. They do a podcast. Uh, it's pretty yeah, entertaining. Yeah. So uh, so there's two for you. You got this one, and then you got the Babylon Bee. You can uh, you can uh, build your library. <laughs> You've but, been teaching my teaching me <laughs> podcast etiquette and everything. I, I have actually come across there. At least I've listened to those guys once. Uh, so I, yeah. Uh, so so, but you seem to be a fan. I, I am. They, they're they're hilarious. I I think. And something happened a, uh, earlier this month, a couple weeks ago, where. They, along with a whole bunch of other parody accounts, got got taken down. And you you highlighted this, and you drew your uh, drew people's attention to this as well. Um, and, and so, on the one hand, it's easy to say, "Oh, well, you know, it's Twitter, and uh, we know that they're lefties, and so they they took down these accounts." But to me, though, there there's something else going on there. It's it it, it is these were parody accounts. This is comedy. And they can't even see the value of the comedy. It goes right past them, right? They they see these things as egregious misinformation campaigns rather than comedy. Yet the Onion's allowed to post this stuff, right? Um, 
the lefties are allowed to put this stuff out on Twitter and make jokes and stuff, and they, they all get to skate. Um, and I think that that's corrosive. I know we're getting, I'm getting into the weeds here, but like, I think it's corrosive for a society that is unable to make fun of itself in some way, because that's how you, that's how you identify weaknesses in a, in a non-threatening way. So, uh, so you've said a mouthful there and I, and I, I will first of all say, I, I, I assume that you discerned or detected that I like the Babylon B because when I saw that on Twitter, that Babylon B's account had been suspended briefly. I went berserk, right? I just said, man, about, there were about 30 tweets in an hour. And right. I, and, it was noticeable. A, it was kind of noticeable. Yeah, a, a brief, a brief, a brief uh, tangent. I would just say that somebody wrote me the other day and say, we know that Congressman Bishop runs his own Twitter account. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> My people would like to change that. But uh, no, I. Uh, I do, and I don't all the, always put everything out there, but but yeah, I I, I can't restrain myself, and I and I like, but uh, I did uh, let fire with a bunch of tweets and followed at it because it was it was astonishing to me. Now, even though I know that there is all this stuff in the social media, it's not like I'm missing it. That uh, conservatives are shadow banned, that a lot of more controversial accounts have gotten banned, that, that some of these are, have gotten to be really ridiculous decisions. There's a guy, Carpe Doncton, I don't remember mm-hmm. what his name is, but the guy that does the really clever memes, they, you know, they killed him, not killed him literally, but I mean, they, they banned him permanently. Yeah. Uh, he's just a talented, uh, cr- creative guy. Um, and, uh, but, but when it comes to Babylon B, I mean, that, that they have established, first of all, the guys who run it are, 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 you know, very committed christian people mm-hmm. uh they're 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 harmless they are really funny i mean it's very good and and i don't believe that the the people smart enough to run these big inter social media enterprises like twitter are stupid enough not to understand satire i think it is a it, it is the, i don't think they're you know i think it's it's sort of like if you could say i think you're sort of suggesting this you say okay, you, you guys are so far off that you don't have any sense of humor left, that would be bad enough as it is. But I don't think they fail to get the humor. Mm. I think they see that that is a very effective tool. Yeah. Of, of and in fact, there's you know satire and ridicule. They're no better, more effective arguments than than those. And to the person who is being ridiculed or satired, they 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 very much see uh, that that makes an that has an impact and it infuriates them. Now, I, 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 I'm actually following sort of following lead of Josh Hawley, the Senator from Missouri that, that, uh, mm-hmm. uh, that is, that wants to, uh, you know, undo the section two thirty immunity for these social media giants. Uh, I, I'm, I'm prepared to go down that road. I, I also think, though that the real problem is the market dominance you know these are private businesses arguably you ought to be able to let if you want to don't want to have certain content or certain points of view represented on your private business you ought to be able to ban it but the problem is that there is their dominant market position and i think it's a you know we've got uh, i don't know what the justice department is going to do with this antitrust investigation of uh i remember i guess it's google that we've heard that we've heard so much about Mm. but google Twitter, Facebook, uh, they can't be allowed. I mean, it's the first time we've had this idea of, of a market dominance and antitrust, anti-competitive practices in the co- in a commercial space. 
in a way that has overlapped with the idea of free expression and how our political debate goes on, which is at the very, very heart of freedom. And one has sort of co-opted the other, and they're meaningfully damaging the range of views that can be expressed. Yeah, Something's got to give. Yeah, how do you have a policy debate about where the society needs to be on a particular issue if people can't freely exercise their rights in that debate. Yeah, I, I have had, there's a Christian publisher and they just sent me chapter and verse on this because I've been asking for it. There's a Christian publisher been in business a long time uh, and they have, and, and they actually had an, it, it put ads out, you know, almost all advertising online has to go through Google, Facebook, Twitter, maybe Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they had an ad that said, become a saint. That was the, the um, tagline. It caught the attention of the, of the Amazon censors, I believe it was Amazon, and they were, and they were told they couldn't do that. Hmm. Um, and, they, and they had a lot of other stuff. If it's religious con- uh, content, it gets scrutinized particularly strongly. Think about that a minute. That's uh, shocking. So you got, we're going to have a difficulty introducing something with religious content into the stream of commerce because the gateways that are dominant are in the hands of leftists who are hostile to religion. So why doesn't the right, be, so why not just have the right build a competitor? I, I, it, it is beyond that, that goes beyond my pay grade. I mean, it's above mm-hmm. my pay grade. I'm not technically savvy enough to know why that can't happen. And I think they are, those efforts are being made. You know, uh, Pete, I, and I'm sure my staff will rip their hair out when I say this, but I got in trouble. I remember. I sent 500 <laughs> bucks to a, to a new thing that was yeah. uh, advertised. Uh, it's just a, 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 a new social media platform is going to be uh, non-discriminatory. And uh, and the next thing they, they said, well, that made me a white supremacist. I was, I was anxious to help Nazis or something like mm-hmm. that. And, and uh, so I absorbed that blow like you, you absorb blows in, when you do what I do. But it uh, it you remember. And uh, uh, and, you know, you know, you're you're careful about what you say, because somebody will lie about you mm-hmm. uh, with a with great with relish. I mean, they love lying about you and they have the power to do it. Um, and so uh, but but I'm. I think I thought it was a problem uh, three, four years ago, and I still think it's a problem. And it's, and it and and I and people who who take the other view, I I, I just it's, it's troubling to see that kind of instinct get to be predominant in America. That uh, that you can that you can you're just going to squelch points of view. Uh, that is a troubling, troubling idea. That may be as troubling as the riots and the and the burning and the kill shooting in the streets that we've been talking about earlier. Yeah. It's got to, that's got to change. And even if it's private, I'm, I'm I want to give a lot of latitude to private enterprise. Uh, I, that's how I think. But um, but when you're talking about the exercise of monopoly market power, and you're combining that with a censorious attitude that's going to shut down. Uh, political debate uh there's a role there for government and if i stay in office long enough to do something about it i'm gonna see something done about it north carolina's ninth district congressman dan bishop always a pleasure to talk with you thanks so much for making time for me and uh, i enjoyed catching up with you great to be with you pete
All right, let me tell you about General Equipment Rental in Weaverville and specifically about the Karcher misting system with Vital Oxide Disinfectant. This is going to solve your problems if you're trying to sanitize and disinfect your workplace, your home, or maybe you're a property manager, uh, maybe you're a real estate agent, you want to show some properties, but you know people are concerned about having folks come through their home. This is the answer. It's the Karcher Misting System with Vital Oxide Disinfectant. It is safe for kids and pets and food contact surfaces. You don't even need to rinse anything down afterwards because it's non-toxic, hypoallergenic, odorless and colorless, and 100% biodegradable. You can roll it around. It's cordless. It has a little wand, whatever, and you spray everything down, and then you're good for like up to 10 days. So you rent this thing from General Equipment Rental. You rent it once a week, and uh, you're good. All you got to do is do spot cleaning for the high traffic areas. And it uses an all-in-one, hospital-grade, EPA-approved germicidal disinfectant sanitizer and deodorizer. It kills 99.9% of infection-causing bacteria and viruses, including coronavirus, as well as mold, mildew, and fungi. Um, And it's just a fantastic, easy solution uh, to keep your workplace or your business, or maybe you have a child care facility, or are you in charge of or helping out with your kid's school, charter school or something, this is what you need. Go to General Equipment Rental uh, in Weaverville, family-owned and operated for three generations, uh, meeting all of your equipment rental needs. Okay, They also do uh, equipment service and repair, by the way, and they are your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. So go to generalrents.com slash Pete, and you'll pick up two free cloth face coverings, a uh, coupon for two face coverings. It's at the website generalrents.com. General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. Think outside your toolbox. All right. So a couple days ago, the governor did a press conference, his regular COVID updates, except uh, he threw in a budget proposal. Sure. Why not? A budget proposal during the (laughs) during the press conference. And uh, it really did remind me because he's still using the tightly scripted, heavily manipulated screening software program that keeps a lot of reporters out of these press conferences. And now, like, you can really see, I mean, it's one thing when you're doing these COVID press conferences, and it's a, you know, a national pandemic, and everybody's all freaking out. But this is a budget proposal. You're telling me you can't field a question from the North State Journal, or the Carolina Journal, or any of the other media outlets that he's afraid to, uh, to be questioned by? It's so dishonest. It's such a scandal. And no other media outlet has touched this story except North State Journal. Uh, anyway, I could tell when he began this that he was sort of upbeat, like somebody had given him one of those adrenaline shots right into his heart. He was animated, not lethargic, right? It seemed like his energy setting was set up to like six out of 10, which I didn't even think was possible for him to get that high, a six out of 10, but he was. So uh, you're going to hear a little bit of it. We have to rise to the occasion of this pandemic response now and focus on ways to emerge from this crisis stronger than before. This budget includes recommendations for investing our remaining federal coronavirus money to fight the pandemic and help relieve the financial stress that it's causing. The budget also lays out a plan for responsibly using state dollars to support a vision for North Carolina that is even better on the other side of this crisis. Okay, there is no other side of this crisis. According to you, according to this, his own administration, him at the press conferences over the last six months, they have laid out parameters that require the virus to be defeated before everything reopens. And the only way we're going to defeat it, according to his health secretary, was the three W's. 
We can't have gyms open. We're the last state in America now, right, to not, to not have gyms open. He won't open the gyms because he wanted to open colleges and schools. And he said that we couldn't do them both at the same time for some reason. It's science or something. I don't know why. He said, well, we're going to have more spread. Okay, but you're opening it to populations, gym goers, that are usually really, really healthy. <laughs> they go to gyms. Um, and they're going to be lower on the risk scale. Just like the college students. I went over all of this the other day. Anyway, he's, in case you caught that little bit, he's he's going to take all the rest of the COVID money from the feds. They're going to take it, spend it all. This is the see a penny, spend a penny democratic philosophy on budgeting. Okay, Any money that's out there, gobble it up. And we'll worry about how uh, balancing the budget at some point in the future. <laughs> he says on education funding. In the wake of COVID-19, perhaps nothing has changed as much as our schools. Hmm. My budget proposes $132 million for our K-12 public schools so North Carolina can continue educating children effectively through these difficult times. The budget would support at-risk students, get more people connected to technology, and provide protective equipment to keep students and educators safe. And there is additional funding in my budget for community colleges and universities as well. All right, and then bonuses for teachers. Today I propose a $2,000 bonus for our teachers and principals and a $1,000 bonus for school support staff. Except for some who got step increases, educators were left out of this year's budget when it came to raises. I'm also proposing a $1,500 bonus to our community college and university employees who didn't get raises either. All right, why did that happen? Why did all these people not get raises? He vetoed the budget. He vetoed the budget. He held all of those raises hostage for Medicaid expansion, and he didn't get it. And he didn't get a budget because the law was that, and still is, that if you don't have a new budget, you just revert back to last year's. So the Republicans gave a bonus out to the teachers because Cooper had vetoed their pay increase. Now, he will tell you it's because he wanted more money for the teachers, but he got them nothing, right? He played chicken and lost, and they suffered. So now he wants to throw two grand at them. And by the way, the steps that everybody got, first 15 years of your employment as a teacher in this state, you get a $1,000 annual increase automatically, just automatically. You start at 35K, and by year 15, you're at 50K. Did you know that? Yeah, those are those are the steps. So what happens after you hit the, um, the 15-year mark, then you have different steps at that point, like guaranteed $1,000 annual increases. Anybody in the private sector want to take that? guarantee these people are so divorced from reality as to what exists and roy cooper he is not a private sector guy he has his entire adult life has been in the public sector now i tell you someone who's in the private sector is tim at old grouch's military surplus in downtown clyde uh, you need this old grouch in your life he's got an expanded line of first aid kits and medical supplies for all kinds of emergencies from scrapes to gunshot wounds they all have step-by-step -step instructions so anybody can follow them in any kind of situation he has body armor all kinds made to nato specs these are in-store or over the phone purchasing only okay in-store or over-the-phone purchases only. Face masks that are made by a local family 
disabled vet and uh, his family made out of military parachutes. So they're really lightweight and really soft. He has steel gas cans. These are the pre-ban old school ones, the good ones. He has tons of real U.S. military surplus uh, for more than three decades. Old Grouch's military surplus on Main Street in downtown Clyde. The shop is open Monday through Saturday. Go on in and see him. Tell him you heard it here. Uh, It's across the street from the anti-aircraft gun and at oldgrouch.com. So then Governor Cooper is asked by the Associated Press's Gary Robertson in a question that kind of suggests that this whole proposal is kind of useless. This is coming out almost two months into the start of the current fiscal year. The legislature says they'll only be in town for a couple of days. And you're asking for a lot of things that probably would usually take weeks, if not months, to hammer out. Is, is this budget just more more aspirational in terms of what you would hope the legislature or perhaps a 2021 legislature would agree to? Aspirational. Gary, oh. this, is a, this is a streamlined budget, what? much smaller than any kind of, of regular budget. That's not the question. That was not the question. There's a streamlined budget. He said this is aspirational. In other words, the chances of you getting any of this done is unlikely, especially given the timing of it and the makeup of the General Assembly being what it still is. Uh, So then Dawn Vaughn from the News and Observer followed up on that. They're here for a short amount of time, and we still don't know how much flexibility is available with the CARES Act funds. So um, how do you temper the proposal not knowing if you have that full flexibility And then you mentioned two things that are sticking points of the budget stalemate last year with teacher pay and and Medicaid expansion. Is that more looking in the future because these are the same, you know, leaders in both chambers that I assume have more or less the same positions they did um, when this dragged out last year? Mm -hmm. First, unlike last year, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh Uh-oh. A lot of people have lost their jobs. He's getting angry. And thus their health insurance. Now is the time to expand Medicaid. We have since seen Oklahoma and Missouri adopt adopt Medicaid expansion. It's dwindling as to the number of states that haven't done this. And the reason is because it provides health insurance for working people in those states. It also helps the economy. It also helps rural hospitals. It also helps positively affect private insurance premiums because you – by the way, I've I've addressed all of these over the years. If the you're interested, just you can go find my previous shows. Ever. And in fact, we're having to use some of our coronavirus dollars to pay for mental health treatment for patients that otherwise we could be using Medicaid dollars to pay. He's going to get angry here. I've never heard him so fired up as to when, uh, except when he's trying to to get money. <laughs> for state spending like he sees a pot of money and he can't get it and i've never heard him get this worked up listen so now is the time to do this and the reason that we waited until this time to have the session is because we did want to know what congress was going to do we were hoping that we would have more money to invest <laughs> in fighting this pandemic by now We were hoping to know whether we would have any flexibility with these funds by now. We don't know that question, and we know that the law right now requires us to make sure that we invest these funds 
before the end of the year. So now is the time to do it. I wish that Congress and the President hadn't left Washington and gone wherever they went. I wish they had stayed there until they came to some agreement on unemployment compensation, on helping states and local governments, on providing more money for health care and testing and personal protective equipment, but they didn't. So now we are here, and we have to make decisions about what we're going to do about this little over $900 million and what we're going to do to help public education, what we're going to do to get more health care to people. This should be really easy. And so I think you have to look at this point in time as different from last year. Yeah, we were having disputes over Medicaid expansion, but then a pandemic happened. And now a lot of people are hurting. And now we're fighting for every federal dollar we can get. And here it is right here. Here is the money to expand Medicaid and to get health insurance to five to 600,000 North Carolinians, probably more now because many of them don't have jobs. And they're not going to do it? I don't understand it. That's true. I think people should. That is true. He doesn't understand it. Um, I've attempted to explain it to him. Republicans in the General Assembly have attempted to explain it to him. Columnists and think tankers. There are a lot of people that have attempted to explain uh, the Republican position on Medicaid expansion in this state. Uh, So at this point, if he doesn't understand it, it's either cognitive or it's willful. I'm not sure which. Oh, and by the way, to pay for some of this state-funded proposals that he's doing, the governor's plan is going to take $85 million from the Opportunity Scholarship. So he's going to gut the voucher program to get some of his uh, spending proposals. Once again, once again. The guy just totally hates Opportunity Scholarships. All right, that's a wrap for this episode. I appreciate you listening. Thanks so much. Please subscribe to the podcast, give it a positive review, and consider becoming a patron of the program. Thanks so much for your support. We'll talk to you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.